showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. There you go. Jeff Green. Sorry. As this game is going on, he's feeling it, and you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, awesome, baby, with a down with the line. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. This is your captain, baby. Hey, come with me. The doctor is now in. Rolling towards your Thanksgiving on a Wednesday. It is the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live. www.tcmartinshow.com. Also live here in the studios of KSHP in Las Vegas. My, my name is Chris Wynn along with Numchuck. We are here on your holiday eve getting set for some pigskin tomorrow. NFL action all over the place. Three games starting in Detroit with the early game. A 9.30 kickoff here on the West Coast, and then you've got the sandwich game in between with the Cowboys hosting the Las Vegas Raiders in that matchup, and then the the Buffalo Bills are in the Big Easy in New Orleans taking out the Saints. And uh, we're joined again by our, our friend uh, Joe Arrigo. Follow him at Joe Arrigo FSM on Twitter. He's the co-founder of the Franchise Sports Media. Uh, does a tremendous job covering all things Vegas and sports. And uh, we've been talking about uh, these NFL matchups tomorrow, Joe. And, uh, of course, uh, that leads us up to, and uh, you kind of touched on it there in the back end of the first hour, Las Vegas Raiders in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. First chance for a lot of these Las Vegas Raiders, uh, the young guys on this squad, and even some of the veterans, to get a chance to play on Thanksgiving, right? It's the big stage. You're playing, obviously, in Jerry's world there in Dallas and uh, having a chance to uh, see and talk to a lot of the sports media here in town and, uh, and, and hear what some of the players have said. They're excited to get a chance to play on Thanksgiving against the likes of the Cowboys. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you get the chance to be the really in, in prime time, in the middle of the day when everybody's eating food and yep. kind of hanging out, I mean, it, you're, 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 you're the one thing that everybody's going to watch. And it's it's great for them. But at the end of the day, Chris, you know, I was, at the, I was at the game against the Bengals and the team looked lifeless. I mean, they're 0 for 14 on third downs their last two games. Um, up until Renfro in the third or the fourth quarter caught a pass, no Raider receiver caught a pass from Derek Carr in the first half. It was all the tight ends. Mm-hmm. So there's something wrong with Carr. I don't know if it's lack of confidence. I don't know if, if he's sulking because, you know, it's been a tough tough few weeks. Um, and maybe the, the Henry Rugg situation is still bothering him mentally. Um, or maybe he's, just, maybe he's just done. Maybe he's just like, you know what, I've done all I could do here. I don't know, but I, I can say this, and I touched on it on the, again on the show, and, and we we wrote about it in the recap. I was in the press box, and on on uh, third down and seven, car checked to a running play, and Mike Mayock stormed out of his box, walked right past where I was sitting, mm-hmm. and me when I mean stormed out, he was red faced, he was ang- visibly angry, and next thing you know, he's down on the field, and the uh, Raiders last possession of the first half. Car, you know, there's like good almost 30 seconds left. Car check to a running play again. The Raiders did not call a timeout, and you could see Mike Mack on the sideline blow a gasket. So I think the team is frustrated with Car just off what I've seen and witnessed the last couple weeks being at the stadium and watching the games. And I, and it's it's not, I'm not piling on Car because he's done all he could do, but they they're not utilizing their weapons. I mean, there's nobody that's come in and taking Ruggs' role, you signed Deshaun Jackson, and he doesn't get – he gets a, a handoff and he gets, you know, one ball thrown to him in two games. That's not utilizing – that's not someone that's, that's blowing the top off a of defense, clearing up the underneath routes. They're, the Raiders just don't look good right now, and that's, and that's on offense. Defensively, they're playing pretty good ball. The offense is just putting them in bad positions, to be, to be frank. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, I hope a guy like Max Crosby and Yannick and, and Gakwe and – I hope they really step up again like they have all year. I would like uh, Trayvon Morris going back home in, in, in Texas to play right outside Dallas at TCU or uh, safety there. That's where he, when he, he played at in college, and he's going back home. He's going to play in front of family and friends. Those, those are the guys I look to step up, you know, and maybe, maybe get 
Brian Edwards the ball a little bit, you know, that would really help the offense, not not freeze them out like it seemed like two of the last three games has happened. So, I, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, Chris, it, it, I, I say this as someone that, that has really taken up for Derek Carr the last, you know, four or five years. Um, if he has a bad game this week, I would not be surprised if we've seen Marcus Mariota getting more snaps in a game and maybe eventually playing more than Derek Carr. Um, to finish out the year so they can see what they have in Mariota and decide if maybe that's the guy they want to roll with next year. I think you're right in my head, Joe, because I was going to kind of piggyback what you're talking about here in the last few minutes and kind of dive into this because obviously we get it, right? Every Anytime there's been offensive issues this season, last season, in the last basically, what, eight seasons since Derek Carr's been there, either in Oakland or in Las Vegas, when there's issues with the offense, Derek Carr always comes up, right? There's always a chatter surrounding him, what his culpability is, what you know, how much of an impact has he had and in uh, his decision-making, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You bring up Marcus Mariota, okay? And now, you know, obviously because they've had a three-game losing streak since – uh, essentially, since the Henry Rugg situation, the Tina Tintor uh, was uh, we lost. We unfortunately, was she, was she lost her life, and that whole thing went down. The the Raiders have lost three three straight, right? And there's been a discussion regarding the offense. It just hasn't been clicking, and Derek Carr just doesn't seem on point. Do you think that Olson and company, and uh, you know Basachi and these guys, do you think that they're looking to implement not just Mariota more into the offense, but that it could be a definite possibility? that Marcus could end up being the starting quarterback here in Vegas. If they want to keep jobs going into next year, they may have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, let's be honest. Mark Davis came here, and he knew there was no honeymoon period because the Golden Knights came out and, and went to a Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. their very first year in existence. No doubt. You need to go out there and win. You need to go out there and, and, and win. And when they, then when they were winning early in the year, the city was a buzz. And to the point to where it had some Golden Knight people – Worried and upset because they're like, "Oh crap! They're they're out here really. They're they're winning, and if they win, that's going to be the ticket in town. And it is, even even despite everything, it still is the ticket in town to go to. But Mark Davis cannot must not be happy, and he cannot be happy at this point because that's not what you came here for. You came here to get your team within the first couple of years to a Super Bowl and go and win in a Super Bowl, not finish a game below five hundred or five hundred. And then have the wheels fall off after you have, you start off five and two, like this is yeah. not what it is. So if these guys want to keep jobs and have MD not blow it up, they better figure out a way to win some games. That's either without Derek Carr at quarterback or that's with Derek Carr at quarterback. They got to figure out a way to win games. And if Basaccio wants to be the head coach, this is his job to make tough decisions. And and, and I. And even telling Olsen, hey, I know that's your boy, but mm-hmm. we're going with this guy. He gives us the best chance to win. And it's a tough spot, right, Joe? You're going into a Thanksgiving Day game against a Cowboys team that has a chip on their shoulder now, too, because they took the loss on, on Sunday. And this is a Dallas team that is probably – look, they're one of the better teams in the NFC. They're going to be in the mix when it comes to the playoff picture in that conference. And uh, and it's a talented team. Now, understandably, obviously, Teron Smith, it looks like he's going to be back for the Cowboys on the offensive line, but they are missing pieces. CeeDee Lamb, it looks like he's not playing – in this game tomorrow, so now you got you know another wide receiver that's hurt there in Dallas. So I mean, I, I, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of on the fence here as far as the Raiders' chances because while I want to, while you know my head tells me that Dallas is a better team, even despite the fact that they have the injuries, I, I think this could be an opportunity for 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 the uh, Raiders considering uh, a talent the likes of CD Lamb. CD Lamb, I'm just so high on uh, as a receiver for Dallas. I think he's going to be uh, a big time receiver in this league for many years to come, and uh, I think it's going to be a big loss for the for the Cowboys tomorrow. I mean, uh, what do you think is going to happen as far as on the field in this matchup tomorrow between the between Dallas and uh, Las Vegas? Offensively, the Raiders have to stop Micah Parsons. Right. He very well could be the defensive rookie of the year. He'll be in the mix for. Defensive player of the year talk, he probably won't win it, but he'll be in the mix for it. He He's just different. And he's one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player, coming out in this draft um, after Jamar Chase. They're my two favorite players in this draft. Looking at him, he's everything you want in a, in a, in a linebacker. He can do it all. He can drop. He can rush. He can play to run well. Um, he's instinctive. He'll come up and bang. And the Raiders' offensive line hasn't really – I mean, going off, if he can come off that right side – you know, that that's where Parker's at. That's going to give Carson fits. 
Um, defensively, the Raiders, the Raiders have to stop the run. If they can stop the run, and Denzel Perryman is, I think he's the leading vote getter for middle linebackers for Pro Bowl votes right now. He is, yep. And he's having a heck, of, he's having a heck of a year. So you can, if you can stop the run and and make Dak Prescott beat you with, you know, his back of wide receivers for all intents and purposes. Um, I, I it's, it's news to me that CD isn't playing. When you said that, I thought he he practiced today, so I wasn't. I thought he was going to kind of get cleared to go, but. Um, with that, and I don't think Amari Cooper losing Amari Cooper for the game is a big deal. I mean, Raider fans know that you know you can't trust him anyway. So yeah, if any fans know, it's Raider fan, right? So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that so so with that being said, I, you know, like I said, it could be a trap game for you know this could be a trap game for Dallas. They got a big game, you know, the following week. So this could be that game where they, uh, where they, quite honestly, kind of look past the Raiders and mm-hmm. the Raiders maybe sneak one in. And maybe kind of jumpstart the second half of their year, but look at for the if you're a Raider fan, you don't want this to be no win November again. So, I mean, this is this is what is trending. This is the way it's trending right now, and I think this is going to be a very important week for for the Raiders in particular going forward with the rest of their season. So you've got that matchup of the sandwich game there with Las Vegas taking on Dallas and then in the nightcap, the uh, Buffalo Bills taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills, uh, after a loss on Sunday, one of the surprising losses by the way, this, this past Sunday, themselves along with the Tennessee Titans as well too. But uh, is is there a feeling, Joe? Do you get kind of a, 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 a feeling that there maybe is kind of a, they're coming back to the pack, so to speak? When it comes to the AFC playoff picture, with the uh, obviously with the Chiefs beating the Cowboys on Sunday, and you've got you know uh, what Tennessee dealing with, what they're dealing with as far as their injuries, although they are getting Derrick Henry back in the mix. I mean, is uh, the the way that uh, Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills have played as of late? Do you think that uh, now it's more of a jumble when it comes to that conference? I think the Bills are about to get right, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen this week. Yeah, their Josh Allen is too good of a quarterback. Stephon Diggs is too good of a receiver, and that defense is too talented for them not to. So I think I think this is the get-right game. It's going to happen in prime time, and people are like, okay, now they're back. Because the one thing about Buffalo, and it starts with their head coach, Sean's a guy that he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got little man syndrome. And now everybody's doubting his team and doubting him. So now this team's going to have a chip on their shoulder, and I think they're going to come out and they're, they're going to punch the Saints right in their face. And and they're not they're going to bludgeon them. I, I, I don't think that game is going to be close at all. I think I think you see Buffalo in a blowout on Thursday night. Well, this is also to a Saints team that uh, is 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 trying to find anybody. I think they're going to like uh, adult football leagues trying to find a quarterback to uh, to replace <laughs> James Winston. They don't they don't not they do not want Taysom Hill to be the guy. Even though they're get, you know they give him a little bit of chunk of change there, you know, with that contract, it's almost like they just do not want to implant him as the quarterback there and so now it's what Tre- Trevor Simeon apparently is the guy there in New Orleans. I mean, they have some talent there offensively despite the fact obviously Thomas out for the season, but uh, you know this is a Saints team that can put up some points. Do you think that uh, they can make this a football game tomorrow night? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't don't push anything past Sean Payton. He's one of the best coaches in the game. Yeah, no but, doubt about that. You know, yeah. No, but the thing is, no Alvin Kamara. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, Alvin Kamara is different. He's just a different player. And you don't have Kamara. You don't, you don't have your number one receiver. Um, you're you know, and you don't have your QB one like that. That's a lot to overcome. And even with the gadget player like Taysom Hill, basically signing a four-year, forty million dollar contract just to create cap space for him. But you know, it, I don't understand that one. He must have some some real good pictures of somebody in the Saints organization that keep getting <laughs> paid. But but uh, but yeah, I don't think I don't think that game's gonna. Be, I, I think that's gonna be the least competitive game of the day. How's that? It makes sense to me. I, I can see. I can see what direction you're going there. Joe Arrigo's joining us here live on the TC Martin Show. He's the co-founder of uh, Franchise Sports Media. You can follow him at Joe Arrigo FSM on Twitter. We're talking all things uh, pigskin, all things NFL. I want to kind of switch gears with you though and talk some uh, local, talk some UNLV, uh, both football and uh, basketball. Let's go to basketball first because both you and I had an opportunity over the weekend to cover the uh, the Roman Main event here in Las Vegas down at T-Mobile Arena. You have obviously four marquee college fo- basketball 
basketball programs in UNLV, Wichita State, Michigan, and Arizona going at it. And uh, Friday night, so so Joe, you kind of a strange deal, right? On Friday night, you get a tip-off at just after 10 p.m. local time for us Michiganders back there in the home state. It wasn't until Saturday morning that that game tipped off between Michigan <laughs> and UNLV. You got uh, a Wolverines team that has national championship aspirations, right? It's a, it, uh, at the time, it was a top-five team in the country. Uh, they're, they're probably not there now, but uh, I haven't looked at the actual uh, rankings regarding college basketball, but still, they're going to be considered one of the better teams in college basketball this year. And then you got UNLV, right? Kevin Kruger, very early on in his tenure there as the head coach there at UNLV. They've got some, some good uh, young talent that has transferred in uh, to go along with the likes of, uh, of uh, Hamilton and some of these other pieces. What was your thoughts uh, initially there of, uh, and your reaction to the, uh, what they were able to do? Uh, because they were in that basketball game with Michigan for a long time in that game. And then, of course, the second half, the Wolverines pulled away a little bit. But uh, your initial impressions when you got a chance to see this running Rebel team take on a quality basketball squad like the University of Michigan? Full disclosure, Friday night I actually stayed for the entire football game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went back and watched the game. I recorded it and went back and watched it Saturday. Yep. And what I seen was the Rebels' defense is real, and yep. they gave Michigan fits. And I think Jawan Howard st- stated that in his press conference, like that Rebel defense is real. Like that's one that's going to be one of the better defenses we play all year. And that comes down to their length, especially in in, in the front court with uh, Ham and with Williams. And even and even with Bryce, and then when you got Nuga and McCabe and and Keyshawn Gilbert coming off, you know, coming off the bench, mm-hmm. those that's that's a group that's a hard nosed defensive group. I mean, all, you know, out of out of the the six that are named, five of them are hard nosed. You know, five or six of them out of that group is are hard nosed defensive guys. Bryce, Bryce is getting better at it, um, and they're going to give teams fits. And I think yeah. they kind of exposed Michigan a little bit. Because as you and I seen on Sunday, like I was shocked they got Michigan got blown out by Arizona. I mean, I was I was literally shocked in in because I, I you know again I thought like you Michigan should be a team that's going to be a Final Four team. I mean they're, they're a team that should make a deep run in an NCAA tournament, and I still think they will. Um, but it just shows the athleticism and the speed of that of that UNLV team. And again, I tell you what, Jordan McCabe, I can't speak enough. About him, I mean, this is a guy who I and I tweeted this out the other day, and I caught a lot of I caught some hell for it. I think he's the best UNLV point guard since uh, Dickel, and and and, that, and Dickel was really? left in two thousand. Yeah, I mean, look, look, what he does is he leads the team. He tell he's a coach and an extension of the coach on, on the on the floor. He's got that swagger that they haven't had at a point guard position in a long time. He's 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 fearless, and he's, he he has no problem playing defense. He hustles. And he can knock down threes, and then he's just flashy. I mean, we've seen the we see everybody's seen the behind the back pass to him, you know, last last game in the in the third quarter or whatnot or second half. It, it was it was like okay, like this this guy gets it, but his leadership is what is what draws me to him, and I see that, and I see okay when he's on the floor they play different. When there's no disrespect to Marvin Coleman or or. Um, Mike or or Keyshawn or whoever else comes on the court playing that point guard position, yep. it's just different with McCabe, and they need him. He's that team's leader, and and Donovan Williams is another one. He is a poor man, Stacey Ogman. I mean, he's not as he's he's not as good defensively, but he can rise. He'll rise above you. He'll he'll do the dirty work. He can knock down threes. Those two guys, along with Ham, are the three to me the three best players on UNLV, and that should make Bryce Hamilton's job a lot easier. And then Mike Mike's job when he gets to the rim, there's not a better finisher at the basket than Mike Nuga, and he's shooting like 85 to 90 percent when he goes to the basket with layups. So you're seeing that this team is going to get better as it goes on. When they you know they're they have Whittier tonight, they should blow Whittier out, and then with UCLA on Saturday. That's gonna be that's gonna be a nice challenge for them. Yeah, you want to talk about another uh, measuring stick game? Uh, you get to face a, a team in UCLA, which uh, you know before last night everyone was cons- talk- talking about it as a top two team in the country, right? And so uh, that's gonna be a real true test. So the Rebels, they you know they take it on the chin against Michigan, and then the Sunday game, Joe, you and I both covered the game, and uh, this has been a run Rebel team that look defensively they played really well. I think you know the first four uh, games of the season, but offensively it was a 
struggle, right? I mean, they weren't exactly an explosive offensive team throughout the first four games of the season. It wasn't the case necessarily against Wichita State on Sunday night. They were able to put up some points. They were able to get uh, the likes of Josh Baker, and you, you mentioned Keyshawn uh, Gilbert as well, too, off the bench. were able to score some points, and Nuga and McCabe and uh, Hamilton uh, held their own as far as the starters from an offensive standpoint. You had the weird call there at the end of the basketball game, so they end up, uh, you know, uh, Tyson Etienne ends up hitting the two free throws to win that basketball game. But uh, I think uh, Kevin Kruger and uh, his staff are probably feeling much better, right, from an offensive standpoint about this team that they're able to get into the 70s in this matchup against Wichita State on Sunday. Absolutely. And if you're a UNLV fan, you got to feel better from the mm-hmm. product that we've had the last four or five years. Let's be honest. Oh, no question. I mean, yeah. this team is so fun to watch. And this team, I mean, and, and, they, and they're, Chris, I don't know if you've been to practices, but they're yeah. knocking down their shots in practices, bro. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like they can't shoot. I think they're, 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 they're understanding, okay, the lights are on. Now they're, they're finding themselves. This is a, a, a team with 10 new players. So that there is going to be an adjust, a slight adjustment factor getting to play with each other and know each other's tendencies and whatnot. And that's what they're, they're doing a good job figuring it out. And, and look, what people are talking about that last play before Edithin or Edithin, um hit the free throws was he stepped out of bounds before the controversial foul, uh, foul call from Keyshawn Gilbert, which, again, I think you let that play on. But he took a step out of bounds before that. No one's talking about that, mm-hmm. and and that that's a game changer. And you know, then was Baker fouled at the end? You know, before he could get up that shot. You know, again that that's subjective as well. But I, I came away. This is a very good Wichita State team that struggled against the UNLV team, who for I think in, a, in went scoreless for like almost a ten minute stretch or around a ten minute stretch um, in the game. That just shows that once the UNLV team starts hitting on all cylinders. They're going to be a tough out, and they, and they and they could be a team that challenges for the Mountain West, you know, championship. The way they play defense, there's not another team that plays defense like that in the Mountain West, at least early on that I've seen. And uh, Joe Rigo joining us here on the T.C. Martin Show. Joe, we got a couple minutes left. I want to kind of bounce over to UNLV football. You mentioned you covered the game on Friday. They took on, uh, you know, 19th-ranked San Diego State in that matchup. Close game all the way down. I mean, UNLV was right there, and uh, it took a – basically it took a Lucas Johnson touchdown pass there to Jesse Matthews with uh, 3.33 left in the game to uh, get San Diego State, uh, you know, that, that, that basically touchdown at two-point conversion league. Your thoughts uh, as uh, the Rebels uh, were keeping it right, right there in the football game with a uh, top-ranked team in San Diego State, which finished with a 5-0 and road record and uh, was 10-0 and overall, which is its best 11th game start since 1969 for the Aztecs. Uh, your thoughts regarding that game? That's, I should have lost. UNLV did everything yep. but two plays to win that game, and, and really three. I mean, you go back to the, the second possession of the game, um, Stevie Johnson – that's the ball. He ball goes through his hands off his foot, and there's a pick six. Turn around, San Jose interception, and takes it to the end zone. That that's that's the touchdown difference right there. Um, at the end of the first half, Bryce Jackson doesn't get to his his half of the field in cover two. He's a little late getting over. Got caught cheating a little bit. Give up that last second touchdown. And then the last play of the game where, where Justin Rogers, who came in and did a phenomenal job. I mean, mm-hmm. JG came in and looked like the best quarterback on the field. And it wasn't even close after he came in. Um, and he's been doing that all year in practice. And that's why it was so perplexing to see him not have success during games earlier in the year. Um, San Diego State was offside. And they didn't call the play. Not that when they, inter- they didn't throw the flag when he threw the pick. UNLV hung with the 19th-ranked team at the time in the country, uh, lost by eight. And that's the sixth time this year UNLV lost by one score or less. The NCAA record is seven in a season. So if they lose by one score or less on Friday, uh, they tie an NCAA record. And, and conversely, San Diego State has six one score or less wins this season. So it just shows how close Marcus Arroyo is and how close this team is to really turning the corner. If they would have won out of those six games, let's say five of them, I mean, they got a team that's already bowl eligible and is probably going to be ranked in the top 50, maybe even top 40 at this time. And, and that just goes to show where the direction of the program and where it's trending right now. It's not necessarily about wins and losses. I know that at the end of the day, that's what fans want to have is wins. But just the direction is trending, especially with the four guys that committed since Saturday are all big-time guys, um, three of which are public, 
two of which are linebackers. And yep. in my opinion, for the guys that they were looking at recruiting, they were the top two linebackers on the board for UNLV. Uh, Tompkins and and the uh, the kid that committed last night. Uh, I think it was last name Salisbury. Yep. Um, and that kid is a stud. I mean, coming out of high school, this kid's long, lengthy, fast, instinctive, plays with a with an edge. I mean, he's a Brian Erlacher type. You could put him anywhere in a, as a linebacker. And Tompkins, you could line him up next to next to Jacoby Windham next year. I mean, that linebacker room has gotten a lot better. And then the receiver is a six foot two Wes Welker clone. I mean, he just knows how to run routes, finds the soft spots and zones, catches everything. Very underrated receiver. And then the other guy that committed. Um, people are going to like him too. He, he he was a guy that played at a at a at a Division one school, and he's a bounce back. And, and when when that announcement comes out, it should be um, tomorrow or Friday uh, when he when he makes his announcement public. He's a guy that can go out there, and he's he's really going to transform the de- he's a defensive player. He'll transform the defense a little bit as well. UNLV rounds out the season on Friday afternoon game, taking on the Falcons at Air Force in that matchup. You talked about recruits, and look, you're wired in, Joe, when it comes to the local talent around here in Las Vegas. And uh, and, and by the way, Elijah actually had a decent game there for uh, for the Aztecs there. He had uh, almost, what, almost 85 yards receiving in that game. He had five catches in that game for uh, the for San Diego State. That that's what you want to do, right? If you're UNLV, you want to keep the, the you know the quality kids from Las Vegas here. And I think that Marcus Arroyo and his staff can can. Can do that. They're trying, and, yep. and the thing is, is you got to start winning, and you got to start. You know that comes down to wins and losses, and and then you got to be able to keep some of them Gorman and Liberty and and Silverado mm-hmm. and, and you know some of the guys from DP or wherever Las Vegas High School. You can you want to keep those guys home, um, but the reality is you have to be very particular right now who you're going to get because a lot of those guys aren't going to look at your school. Yeah. Let's just yep. be honest, and a lot of the guys aren't going to look at the school. So you got to choose. And I'll tell you what, there's a local kid that's a 23 kid. Um, there's two of them from Silverado High School, Donovan Paulette and Caden uh, Harris. Mm-hmm. Paulette is a safety receiver. Uh, Harris is a running back. Both of those guys are Division One players, and, and I know they would love to stay home. And if, if UNLV could land those two guys, and they're for the 23 class, but you got some dogs, and you got some guys that can really play. And I know, I know, you know, would love to keep some guys home, but you know, at this point, you got to win some ball games. You're, you know, technically it's year three, but really it's year two for Coach Royo going into next year. And if you can win, if you can come out and win on Friday, and that gives you a nice springboard to next year where you have Idaho State to open the year. You still have North Texas, yeah, you have Notre Dame in there, and I believe you have Cal. But you can go two and two in those games. And that sets you up really nice to get in the Mountain West play where all bets are off because I think the Mountain West is wide open going forward because nobody has that elite quarterback. Nobody has that, those elite players. UNLV have some guys that could be Jacoby Winman if he comes back, could be the front runner for a defensive player of the year in the conference next year. Um, you, have some, you have some really good pieces that, that Coach Sanchez brought in and then some guys that a lot of the guys Coach Royal is bringing in that's now starting to get significant playing time which should help on the field. And, and Do we lose Joe? Do we get him? No, I'm here. I'm oh, okay, here. my bad. Yeah. He's a wealth of information, folks, when it comes to UNLV, everything, when it comes to the Raiders, all things Vegas sports. Uh, go to FranchiseSportsMedia.com, great website. Also, follow them on Twitter at the FranchiseLV, and follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Arrigo FSM. Joe Arrigo joining us here on the TC Mark Show. Joe, we really appreciate the time, man. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're, you're getting a chance to hang out, I think, with the family, right, in California, and uh, have a yeah. great holiday. We really appreciate it. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, all right? Happy Thanksgiving to you, Nunchuck, everybody listening, TC, and send my love to Danielle when you bring her on. Now, that's one of my favorite people in the world right there. Absolutely, Joe. All right, you have a great holiday. We'll talk to you again soon, all right, my friend? Sounds good, brother. All right, Joe Arrigo, there he is right there, Franchise Sports Media, all things. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it is a program in transition, okay, when you're talking about UNLV football. And uh, they got a couple of wins here, you know, back-to-back wins on this season. They were in a lot of football games this year. We're looking for them to uh, improve. And going into the 2021-22 season. It is the T.C. Martin Show. Come your way live on a Wednesday. I'm Chris Wynn in for T.C. On the way next, our friend Daniel McCartan, host with WFAN in New York, is going to join us and talk all things football and uh, a couple other things as well, too, as we continue on your Wednesday.
<laughs> the T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. It's a Wednesday, the T.C. Martin Show, coming away live from fabulous Las Vegas as we get ramped up for a Thanksgiving holiday loaded with pigskin. The NFL, three games in action tomorrow. You've got some college football going on on Friday, and then uh, it'll lead into another busy weekend in the sports spectrum. And uh, had a chance to talk with Joe Arrigo about uh, all things Raiders, UNLV. And uh, now we've got a great treat as well, too, because we're going to be joined by uh, my friend. She's an outstanding host. Over on the East Coast, in the Big Apple in New York at WFAN there. She is uh, going to be on tomorrow, by the way, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. So that's 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. for you folks here on the East Coast. And you're checking her out on the Odyssey app as uh, well as the other apps across the board. Danielle McCartan joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show. Danielle, we appreciate you spending some time. How are you? Hey, Chris, thanks for being a little flexible with me. I appreciate it. No problem at all. You know, hey, it's, it's always great to get a chance. And we want to get a perspective, right, because you're someone who is there in the tri-state area. You're there wired in. You get a chance with your show to talk to the people there in that area yeah. when it comes to all things sports. And uh, it is Thanksgiving, right, Danielle? And look, I get it. There's no New York teams as far as the NFL playing this Thanksgiving, but I got to believe it's the tri-state area, okay? And now that you have, uh, there's so much an influx of sports gaming there and everything that goes on, there's probably going to be some sizable interest, let's put it that way, when it comes to uh, these games, despite the fact that my Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears are kicking it all off early on in these matchups coming up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that game is, uh, I mean, can we please flex that one out of it's here? It's not going to be great. It's not going to be great, no. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. Yeah. Um, I, you know what, I think, <laughs> I think the Lions might have a chance here. I mean, they can't go winless, can they? Oh, they absolutely can. They absolutely positively can. <laughs> go Bears! <laughs> there is no question about it. There has not been an 0-16-1 team in history because, obviously, this is the first season where there's 17 games. The Detroit Lions are going to flirt with it, Danielle. I'm telling you. Oh, I don't and know. so I would concur with you. I think this that the Lions, uh, despite the fact that the Bears are dealing with with so much, you know, regarding uh, you know Matt Nagy as the head coach there and uh, the personnel yeah. issues that Chicago has, I still think that Chicago is the better football team, and uh, we should see that. But uh, I mean, look, uh, what's it going to be like for you tomorrow? Because obviously you're doing the show, but uh, as far as uh, later on, it's going to be the McCartan family is going to be uh, getting together as far as uh, Thanksgiving festivities. And, and uh, I'm sure with you, because you're, you're someone who's a sports person, I'm sure that uh, football and Thanksgiving has been something that's been synonymous for you and your family for, for years. Yeah, like the people that don't watch football on, on Thanksgiving, I, I don't, I don't trust those people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess around here though, we'll probably keep our eyes on the four thirty p.m. games, Raiders, your Raiders, and, yeah. and the Cowboys. So uh, maybe it might not matter for the Giants in the long term. But hey, listen, if the Giants beat the Eagles this weekend, they're at what four and four and seven. I mean, they could be the second wild card team that now that they have that. So. Um, we're going to be rooting for the Raiders here, that's for sure, to beat the Cowboys, and um, we'll see. But that, that's probably the most interesting one around here that, that we'll be paying attention to. And, of course, there's been uh, a lot of news off the field in the NFL here in the past few days, and uh, one of, you mentioned, of course, the Giants are part of that news with Jason Garrett no longer being there in the mix for that Giants team. Do you think that uh, is, that's one of the last shoes that's going to drop? Do you think there's going to be possibly could be more moves uh, across the board when it comes to the Giants and uh, their vision moving forward other than just Jason Garrett getting bounced out in uh, New York? <laughs> that, this is like such a loaded question here. I think, <laughs> um, I think that Joe Judge is the real deal, and I'm one of now the dwindling few that still believes that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think Jason Garrett would, be, would have been the first domino, actually. I really thought that the defensive coordinator would have been the first domino to fall, and uh, Patrick Graham. And for a guy that was getting head coach looks, you know, last season, last off season, whatever. I mean, his defense has greatly underwhelmed, like greatly underwhelmed. They are like really, really bad, next to worst in most most important defensive categories. I mean, it's them and the Jets, so that's not good company to be in. 
And so when they fired Jason Garrett, I was like, huh, all right, well, that's the first domino to fall. I, I, you know, Joe Judge is in total self-preservation mode, in my, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, just to save his own skin, he's going to have to come out firing. And, you know, I think they hired Jason Garrett to begin with because he had head coaching experience. And if Joe Judge, who was a first-time head coach in the middle of a pandemic, if he had fallen flat on his face, they would have had the next guy to come in and say, like, okay, Jason Garrett has experience. He's going to take the ship over for now. But Joe Judge really, in my opinion, didn't fail. So it was kind of inevitable, I guess. I mean, the offense is terrible. I mean, really bad. Um, but it's not going to be the first one. I, I think if, if the defense allows, like, another 30 spot, especially against the Eagles, I think uh, the defense coordinator is going to be looking uh, in the classified ads, too, following that game. And so, obviously, now with Garrett out, Freddie Kitchens takes over. He's the uh, former Browns head coach. He's uh, a friend of Judge's, by the way, of 17 years, and uh, has been you know, a senior offensive assistant for the Giants. What do you think this, this Giants offense does now? Because, look, this is, kind of leaves open all the possibilities regarding uh, what they could do from a scheme standpoint. And also, it also mm-hmm. leads to the question of how much input Judge is going to have, you know, a.k.a. play calling, you know, what exactly, how that's all going to be handled with now. Uh, now Freddie Kitchens at the helm of that offense. Yeah, I think um, I was kind of running some numbers just to try and see if it really was, in fact, um, Jason Garrett holding Daniel Jones back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can declare that, really. I mean, right. Jones, before Garrett, two touchdowns per game he averaged. And then with Garrett, it's .8 touchdowns per game. So there's, like, pluses and minuses to both, really. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that you're going to see a very aggressive. I mean, the Giants are playing with house money. They have nothing to lose here. So I think they're going to be very aggressive. I mean, Daniel Jones, I was just trying to pull up the next-gen stats. He is a very accurate thrower on what NFL considers deep throws, so which is 20 yards, beyond 20 yards. Daniel Jones is really good at them. And with Jason Garrett, he wasn't really given opportunities to air it out. So I think you're going to see a lot of Kadarius Tony on go routes, and Daniel Jones is literally airing the ball out down the field, and they've got nothing to play with. So I think nothing to lose. So I think they're going to be a lot more aggressive in this offense, and um, and I think it's going to work. I open up the field, and I think it's going to work for them, really. The other squad there in New York, obviously the New York Jets, they're also in the news as uh, rookie Zach Wilson reportedly ready to return from his knee injury. He's being named the starter this week for the Jets. The rest of the New York quarterback room, however, has taken a hit regarding COVID-19 as you've got Joe Flacco and also backup Mike White have been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list as well, too. So both quarterbacks will be out Sunday in Houston. Uh, they've they've uh, they've actually uh, signed Josh Johnson off the uh, practice squad. There is this just uh, essentially in, in looking at I'm looking at it from uh, uh, just uh, uh, you know a football fan guy here in Vegas. Danielle, is this just an opportunity for Zach Wilson to kind of just ramp it up, right? Get him back on track to be what he's. I'm sure uh, the Jets brass, the coaching staff, and everybody there in New York are expecting that Zach Wilson is the guy there in New York. And here we go again. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, uh, to me, Zach Wilson is the guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, for now, anyway, you know what I mean? He, he's, he's, he has the potential to be the guy, I should yeah. say. And, and that doesn't mean to say, okay, let's start Mike White over Zach Wilson. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that, you know, you're a rookie. You've been out for quite some time. I know you've got a playbook in your hands. You're studying the clipboard and all that. But now, okay, like you have to get back up to game speed and fast. You know what I mean? So I'm not expecting much out of Zach Wilson. Maybe I'm the contrarian to all the Jets fans. They want to see, you know, a home run ball. But I'm like, all right, dink and dunk, get your feet underneath you, and then see what happens from there. But um, for right now, this game I think is moving too fast for him. And I think he's got to find a really good connection with Elijah Moore, who's been a really outstanding rookie for the wide receiver for the Jets. But for right now, I'm doing the safe game plan. I'm not opening up anything for a guy like Zach Wilson just yet coming off that injury. I got to bounce this off you because I got, I'm wondering about the, the psyche of New York Jet fan there in New York, given that <laughs> the New England Patriots, Danielle, are back to doing New England Patriots stuff, i.e. they're at the top of the division now. You know, Bill Belichick, even though he doesn't have Tom Brady there anymore, you know, he's got a, you know, he's got a, a guy in Mac Jones who, look, I, when we started this season, I was not someone who thought Mac Jones was going to be a franchise quarterback at all. He's been a surprise to me, uh, much like I had my 
foot in my mouth last year when it came to uh, the quarterback situation in Arizona where I thought there's no way that he was going to be a franchise quarterback. I was wrong there, and I'm wrong again, it appears, uh, when it comes to the Patriots. Uh, it's got to be tough for the fans there in New York, right, Danielle, seeing the New England Patriots right. being right back where they have kind of basically been for the past couple of decades. You know, when I saw that the Patriots took Mac Jones, I'm like, okay, well, Bill Belichick really knows how to evaluate talent. This guy's going to be the next Tom Brady. And here we are. I know my yeah. friend Christina is listening right now. She we went. <laughs> she came to visit. She's a Bills fan. I'm a Jets fan. We went to that game, and it was miserable for me. It was a miserable experience. Um, and uh, it's just the psyche of Jets fans right now is like, you know, I, I taught her an acronym. Acronym. Jets stands for just end the season. And um, it's just, it's one thing after another. This team can't catch a break. All these fans want to do is just win and celebrate a win. And it's just not happening. And it's just, I don't even know. I don't even know how to categorize it. It's just, it's exasperating is the right word to be a Jet fan in, in this city. It's, it's terrible. Danielle, you're talking to a Detroit Lions fan. We do not have yeah, sympathy for anybody when it comes to the NFL <laughs> and their franchise losing left and right. You bring up your friend and uh, a Buffalo Bills fan. Obviously, I, I mentioned that, uh, that, that uh, the tri-state area doesn't really have an interest because uh, Buffalo Bills are upstate New York. So the Bills playing, yeah. obviously, in the night game, taking on the New Orleans Saints. The Buffalo Bills, a team that, uh, look, we have been lauding praise on them, and rightfully so, throughout most most of the season because that defense mm-hmm. is tremendous. It's one of the best in the NFL. You've seen the emergence of Josh Allen. Obviously, they have Stephon Diggs, other pieces there on offense. It's one of the best teams in the AFC, but they stubbed their toe a little bit here this past weekend and kind of brought themselves back to the pack, a.k.a. now they're trailing the Patriots in that division. But uh, this is a Buffalo's Bill team, Buffalo Bills team, I think, that can uh, get things right this week against a team, and uh, what, what better prescription than to go up against a team like the Saints where who are dealing with their own issues from a player personnel standpoint, and uh, it's going to be uh, tough sledding, I think, for the, uh, the guys from the Big Easy to get a win against Buffalo coming up tomorrow night. Yeah, I, five years ago, I, I told Christina, the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl in fi- within five years, screenshot this, mm. and she sent it back to me before this season started. This is the se- this is the fifth season, and I put twenty bucks on them to win the Super Bowl. But you know what it is? I'm looking at this Bills team, and they got comp- their run defense got ex- completely exposed in that like what was it the Colts game? Yeah. And the problem with that team was the same problem it was last year. Their offense is so one dimensional; they have no running threat. So now all these defenses are laying back, playing pass, and reacting to the run. That's not a good combination when, when you know, you're, you're so reliant on the pass. And I thought they were going to address that in the offseason, and, and they just didn't. So I feel that this Buffalo Bills team, while their defense is excellent, you can't win a game if you can't put any points up. And you can't put any points up if you're a one-dimensional team as, as they are. So until they can figure out a, some sort of semblance of a rushing attack, I think they're going to end, have the same fate that they did last year. I mean, they're going to lose in the playoffs, and I'm going to lose my bet, and I don't, I don't want that. But, you know, that's what I see right now from that team. WFAN host Daniel McCartan joining us here on the T.C. Martin Show live in Las Vegas. Catch her tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. She'll be there on uh, the station. It's 660 on the AM side, 101.9 FM on the FM side. And you can also catch her here in Vegas on the Odyssey app. And uh, she does a tremendous job. They're covering all things uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, across the board, tri-state sports there. And uh, we're talking, of course, about NFL action going down. Uh, tomorrow on Thanksgiving and the Buffalo Bills. I was taking. I got to admit, Danielle, I was taking it back a little bit when you talked about the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl and maybe and possibly winning it because I'm sure, like your friend, I, and, and you you were you were just a young tyke back in the mid '90s when I remember this team going to <laughs> Super Bowl after Super Bowl and just breaking Buffalo Bills fans' hearts left and right. And one of the first sports bets I ever made, Danielle, was back in 1995 in that Super Bowl where. They played the Dallas Cowboys where they were leading at halftime. Everybody thought they were going to get over the hump and get the victory, the first <laughs> victory for the Bills in, in a Super Bowl. And then the second half came around. Thurman Thomas fumbled the ball a couple times. They end up losing the game, and the Cowboys end up covering the spread. And I lost money, and I was not happy because I was a poor college kid back then when that all went down. But I was a little bit t- – I, t- I was taking it back. 
when you were talking about how the Bills could make, could make it to the Super Bowl and win, especially after last year, as you pointed out. Uh, well, last year where they're in a tough battle and end up uh, not making it there. So uh, we'll see what they do this year. I think it's going to be interesting because they are, uh, in my opinion, they are the clear-cut best team in the AFC, and uh, that includes the Patriots, that includes the Ravens, or anybody else you want to talk about in the AFC. So it's, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Uh, we're talking with Dan, Danielle McCartan here on the T.C. Martin Show, talking some NFL. Uh, obviously, we got uh, the college football playoff also, Danielle, rolling along. We've got uh, some major matchups coming up uh, this weekend where you've got a matchup of uh, uh, teams in the likes of Michigan and Ohio State, a matchup that could be huge when it comes to the college football playoff. Uh, I'm just kind of interested in uh, your thoughts as far as that game because, uh, look, it's a big-time rivalry. We're talking about the Big Ten, and it could have ramifications when it comes to uh, what goes down as far as the playoffs concerned. Wait, before we even get to that, I, yep. I told you about my Jets acronym, just end the season. Yes. Someone called me up over the weekend, and they told me to tell all the Bills fans their acronym is, but I love losing Super Bowls. Oh, my gosh. That is yeah, textbook like, right there. Oh, right. man. So it is. Oh, that's so rough for Bills fans. It's got to be just so hard. I can't even imagine. But uh, oh, I mean, I know I'm kind of springing this on you as far as this Michigan uh, Ohio State game, but yeah, it, yeah. it does it does create some intrigue, right, when it comes to the college football playoff because you know it seems. It, look, it, here's the deal with college football, right? It's been Alabama and occasionally Clemson and everybody else yeah. for the past like five six years. Doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's going to be the case when it comes to college football this season. Yeah, I know you're a big Michigan guy. Shout out yep. to Michigan over there. But, uh, you know, people around here, I'll tell you, people around here are not too interested in college football unless you went to Michigan, unless you went to Ohio State. Really what this game is, for especially for Jets and Giants fans, mm-hmm. this is like the farm division. There, People are going to start turning these games on to look at, okay, who can the Giants take? Who can the Jets take in the draft? So mm-hmm. for around here, there really, I don't think, is a really big rooting interest one way or another. It's more of like, okay, which of these guys on these really good teams is going to help our team, you know, propel us forward to the next level? Because let's be honest, the two Jets and Giants are horrible. They're going to have premium picks in this draft, and these are two teams that are going to be, these guys are going to be picked, you know, in prime spots. So I, I wouldn't doubt it if some of these guys playing in this game this weekend will be a Jet or a Giant next season. Obviously, you're there in New York. You cover New York sports. I want to get a quick take regarding the, uh, the New York Knicks. This is a team, obviously, that has been basically irrelevant when it comes to the NBA uh, over the past uh, 10 to 15 years, to be quite honest with you. And uh, mm-hmm. now there is some buzz in, in that city. Obviously, you know, you have because you have a burgeoning, in, you know, basically in-town rivalry between the Nets and the New York Knicks. And this is a New York Knicks team that, uh, from a roster standpoint, and uh, from an Eastern Conference standpoint, certainly is going to be in the mix and has proven so, so far early on in this season. If the season ended today, the Knicks would be a playoff team at 10-8. and 8, And mm-hmm. the Nets, it, it's a weird dynamic here. It's like the Nets are more like a national team around here, which is like kind of weird, you know, unless, of course, you live in Brooklyn. I mean, they used to play yeah. in Jersey. I used to go to the games all the time. It was 20 minutes away, right next to the Meadowlands. Exactly. The yeah. arena was. Yep. But since they moved to Brooklyn, they've become this like corporate sort of team. So they they're the national team around here technically. And then you got the and and they have surged up without Kyrie Irving. They have surged up the standings. They're the first place in the Eastern Conference, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, but then you got the Knicks. You asked about the Knicks. Yep. They were at the top. They're sixth. They've got the six. They're tied for the sixth best record. They can't seem to figure it out. They started real strong, and then they can't seem to figure it out. I mean. They, they've got these rotations going where they've got Kemba Walker out there who's clearly, he, I mean, I don't want to say he's too old, but he's too old. You know, he, he has too, he, they're asking him to, to eat too many minutes right. for his age and his style and the way he plays. And Evan Fournier may or may not work out. That's still up in the air. So the, the, the improvements that they thought they were making as of right now, because they are slipping down the Eastern Conference standings, the improvements that they thought they were making, um, you know, may or may not work out yet, and that's a scary thing because that team was a playoff team. I was there at the Garden when they got bounced by the uh, Atlanta Hawks, and um, you know, but the, but New York Knicks fans are just so excited for the team to be like relevant again and in these conversations again. That you know what, you know, they'll take sixth place in the Eastern Conference right now. They've got to figure it out. They've got to right the ship because they are slipping fast, though. So, I mean, is it Julius Randle gets to step up and? 
figure out, you know, that he do- still doesn't have to take the whole team on his back to, to, to win games. I mean, that's what he said his problem was in the early goings of last season. And then he realized that he actually has help and ball movement and, and you know, all these capable guys around him. I don't know. And, and I think they should give Emmanuel quickly uh, more of a chunk of time. I mean, I think the kid's good and I think he's ready. And, and with two other older guards on that roster, I think it's perfect time for him. I, I think he's ready. That's the kid that I that I'm kind of intrigued by because I that was yeah. a, that's a name because I'm a box score guy Danielle you know I'm a, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to the NBA I love checking out box scores and getting stats and stuff and la- and obviously last year he was the guy who no one had ever heard of to be quite honest with you right when it came to NBA yep. circles and then all of a sudden I'm looking at the box scores I'm seeing this guy's you know dropping 20 25 you know multiple games yep. across the board and I'm thinking to myself oh wow, this kid's maybe he's a player you talked about the addition of Evan Fournier I remember I, I, I covered the obviously the NBA summer league here in Vegas. I remember Evan when he came into the league with the Denver Nuggets. He was someone who was able, he was able to uh, assert himself offensively with Denver. Then he moved on to the Orlando Magic and was uh, was pro- pretty much a key part of that team, which was not very good down there in Orlando. And, and like you said, I think the jury is still out with him regarding the New York Knicks. But obviously here in Las Vegas, we are a Los Angeles Laker town, so we know all, yeah. all, we know all about Julius Randle and uh, have been absolutely astounded by just the progression of his career career and how and just how good that kid is I mean we're talking about someone who can absolutely put up 35 and 15 in giving games when he's on when he's on point right when his head is right and when he's out there and he's playing like a superstar I think Julius Randle can be that type of guy so I think all things are looking up when it comes to the New York Knicks and uh, you talked about uh, the Brooklyn Nets and I think you're on point regarding them as a, as a national team because yeah they were the New Jersey Nets right back when they had Jason Kidd and Kenyon mm-hmm. Martin and those teams and that was that was kind of like like, uh, you know, they were tech- basically New Jersey's team back then. They weren't a New York team. They were New Jersey's team. And uh, yep. the move to Brooklyn obviously has changed the dynamic a little bit. And, you know, uh, playing there, it kind of, kind of, uh, I, I mean, I would think it would elevate the, the rivalry, but we'll see. It's still early on as far as Brooklyn being there, you know, uh, basically being there right next to Manhattan. So it's a, you know, I think that changes things a little bit as well, too. And so. We'll see how it all shakes out. But, uh, Danielle, we really appreciate you spending some time on uh, Thanksgiving Eve with us and, uh, and, and chatting with us. Follow Danielle at Coach McCartan on Twitter. She is a host over at WFAN in New York. You can get her tomorrow, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time on the show. She also does a great job. She's all over the place when it comes to you. You're there on the weekends occasionally, and you also are there uh, during the week, too. You've been uh, filling in as well, too. So, Danielle, we appreciate you spending some time out here in Vegas yeah. with us. Yeah, of course, Chris. Actually, I was just, uh, I got a Black Friday sale from uh, MGM Casinos, my M Life uh, card. So you may get a text a little bit later telling you uh, that I booked a trip there real soon. So. Oh, we always like, <laughs> Danielle, we love it. We, we love it when you get a chance to see and when you come out here to Las Vegas. Uh, make it, Make sure it's sooner than later, okay, my friend? Yeah, it's either going to be February or April, or yeah. I don't, or the summer, or all three of them. I don't know. i got to decide. <laughs> Have a great Thanksgiving, Danielle, and uh, we'll talk to you again Thanks, soon, Chris. okay? You too. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Daniel McCartan, host with WFAN in New York. It's been a fun two days, folks. Thanks to Numbchuck for handling the business behind the board, making us sound top-notch. I'm Chris Wynn. T.C. Martin will be back, what, next week? Is it Monday? He's coming back. He'll be back in the mix. The doctor will be here and rolling right along at no shortage of topics, I'm sure as uh, it'll be coming out of a weekend and week 12 in the NFL as well, too. So everybody have a safe, have a happy holiday, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Don't uh, get too bored watching that Lions-Bears game to kick off the NFL action tomorrow as uh, the Las Vegas Raiders will follow them against the Cowboys and on and on and on. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Thanks for listening to us. On your Wednesday, we'll talk to you again on Monday. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Come to me live from Las Vegas, www.thetcmartinshow.com. And here live in studio, KSHP in Las Vegas. Can't believe the Mets traded Daryl Strawberry.